Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. I wish this morning that I could give you three or four simple and easy things to success in any area of your life but specifically in your spiritual life. The reality is this, as we get into this morning, the reality is this. We have to go back to last week, or two weeks ago, and remember the one singular focus of our life. If we were to go through, and you start, and and we'll, we'll wrap it all together here, but if we were to think through, I've mentioned often I love sports. So I can go to sports, and I can go to athletes, and I can think of, uh, a Michael Jordan or a Tiger Woods or some of these people that are considered some of the greatest, possibly the greatest to ever play their sport. Most of them are not well liked. Michael Jordan was not the most popular athlete as far as the guy that everybody just wanted to hang out with. But everybody wanted to be with him because he was focused and he won. Tiger Woods was not a nice gentleman. Playing a gentleman's game was not... Tiger Woods played the game and he played it with excellence, but he was not the gentleman of the gentleman's game. He was cutthroat. Michael Jordan was cutthroat. These guys, these people that are... They were singular in focus. They had one goal, one agenda, one focus, one anything, and that was to win and to win at all cost. If you look into business, there are some people that are superb in business. They have arrived, so to speak. They've made it. Most of them are singular focused. They have one goal, one agenda, make money, strive, succeed in business, whatever you want to say, it's why. They have one goal. I live my life. If you look at most of their lives, they're not very successful family people. They're not very successful oftentimes outside of what that thing is. Michael Jordan was not successful as a father. He wasn't very successful as a husband. Tiger Woods, don't have to say much about that. He wasn't very successful off of the green. As we found out just a few years ago, they were successful at what they did. They were singular in focus. I wish today I could say, hey, in your spiritual life, I'm going to give you these three simple, easy formulas, and you're just going to be D.L. Moody or something. I wish I could just give you that one thing. Here's the three steps. I wish I could give you the three steps in your personal life. To be the greatest husband, if you did this, this, and this, you will be America's number one dad. You will be voted America's number one husband or wife. You will be whatever that thing is. I wish you, there's, there's not one of those things. But if we go back to what we talked about last week in singular and focus and being having one goal and one agenda and one thing singular focused on Christ, the success that comes from that trickles into every other area in our life. Now, that success doesn't mean you're going to be rich. That success doesn't mean you'll have the nicest car or any of those things. It may not even mean your family will be perfect. 
But as you know Christ, and that is the singular focus in your life, other things will trickle. Again, it's just not easy, though. It's not easy, though. You're, you're, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, wow, that's, I've never been told that the Christian life isn't easy. <laughs> it's not. Saying no to something that you want, knowing that it's not right for you, is not easy. But when we're singular in focus and we understand what the goal is, just like an athlete understands what the goal is, just like a businessman understands what the goal is, just like any of those things I just kind of talked about, and we understand the goal is I'm going to be a millionaire. The goal is I'm going to win championships. The goal is I'm going to be the best of all time. The goal is that. I'm singular focused. I know that. Here, my job as a, as a Christian, not a pastor, my job as a Christian, as a believer, is that I will know him. Period. That is my job. If to have eternal life in John, it says to have eternal life is to know him, then my job, my only reason is to know him. We spoke a little bit about that last week. But there's not a one, two, three thing that I can give you. There's not a get-rich-quick scheme that is easy. It's just not out there. If you find it, please let me know. Because even if you go into these multi-level different businesses, and I'm going to work from home, and I'm going to sell stuff online, and I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. I've been a part. I know many people that are part of that. I know some that are successful, but I'll tell you this. It wasn't easy. They didn't just go, oh, I've got a new business. I'm now a representative of whatever you can put it in, Amway. I don't know if anyone's in here. I'm not just seeing Amway. I'm now an Amway representative, an independent business owner. I am now that. I'm assuming that Amway is very successful. They own the Orlando Magic. You're not poor owning the Orlando Magic or having an arena named after you. But I happened to go to school with one of the grandkids of one of those high-up multi-gazillionaires from Amway. And here's what I'll tell you. His dad ate, slept, and drank, literally, Amway. That kid was trying to build a business while he was in college. He did nothing but Amway. Many would say, well, it's just a get-rich-quick scheme. No, it wasn't. It was work and 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 going and setting up meetings and going and setting up meetings. And you've met them at Walmart and you've met them wherever. Hey, how are you? How would you like to make an extra couple bucks? Wouldn't you like to quit your job and be able to be a millionaire? Yes! That's not real. The same thing in our spiritual life. I can't look at you and say, hey, wouldn't you like to be, I don't know the person, D.L. Moody? Today, you can be D.L. Moody. If you would just do this, this, and this, you will be. That's not reality. The reality is, 
it takes work. The reality is, it's going to take hours of prayer. The reality of it is, it's going to take you getting to know God in your Bible. The reality is, it's work and work and work and work and work. And it's not just you sitting at home going, oh, I just met Jesus today. Because after you just met Jesus today, you're going to go to work and you just met Satan himself or herself at the desk across the street or across the way from you. And as you just met Jesus in your quiet time this morning, and it was awesome, you now went to work. And the guy or the gal that sits next to you or that you work with decided to let you know how great you were. And all of a sudden, you're now biting your tongue going, Oh, Jesus, wait a second. Or for some of you, it may not be going to work. Maybe you just saw a Facebook post that you just couldn't keep your little fingers off the keyboard. And I had to let everybody in the world know what I thought about that person. Wait, two minutes ago, you just had a great meeting Jesus moment. Now you, you met Satan on Facebook or on Twitter or Instagram or whatever that thing is that we're so addicted to. And now all of a sudden, I can't just, I have to let everybody know. Mm. And our meeting Jesus moment just went down the toilet because we just let everybody else know the opposite. We have to be singular in focus. It's not, here's the one, two, three, and I'm now super spiritual man. Because after that super spiritual moment, you're going to have to go and you interact with human beings. And human beings aren't always fun to interact with. Amen? You guys are like really quiet staring at me. I don't know if I've, I'm either that dumb or I'm not reaching. I don't know. Um, but at any rate, these are, these are things we have to give everything to. And if we were to go back, we can go back to as far as we want. You can take this thought all the way back. You've got the disciples, you've got Paul, you've got others that were walking and talking with Jesus. And what, what ended up happening to them? Most of them. Most of them did not go to their deathbed because they just died of natural causes. Most of them went to their deathbed because their head was cut off. Because they were stoned. Because of something that they, were, they did that they were martyred for. But they did so going there, having said, I will give everything and I'm singular focus. I just want to know Christ. We could even take it further and if we wanted to go through the history line, and I'm not going to go through a lot, but you can go to the, the Martin Luther and posting of the 95 theses on the door and, and he did all those things. And for the rest of his life, his life was in balance. Because people were threatening him and they wanted him killed. We could go on and on. You could go on the news today. And you could read of the thousands of Christians all across the world who are daily being killed because they would not say no to God. They had a singular focus. You could watch the news today on people within your own country who have said yes to God and no to government, who find themselves in a position of shutting down a business. Whether you like it or you disagree or whatever, of being in prison this last week. 
Why? Because they said yes to God and no to government. And some of those things we could argue over whether it's right or wrong or any of those things. That, that's irrelevant. But people that have said yes, God, I want you. I want to I be singular focused. I want to know you. I want to press on. I want to I do these things. D.L. Moody was known for one of the the sayings that was actually not something that he said, but the question was asked to him, the world is yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. And as D.L. Moody was being interviewed, that was the, the question posed to him. That was what was mentioned to him by somebody else. It wasn't his quote, though he is the one that's famous for it. He simply makes this statement, By God's help, I aim to be that man. By God's help, D.L. Moody said, by God's help, I aim, my goal, I'm striving to be that man that the world has never seen that gave everything to God and just see what God does. It isn't easy. It's not easy. Maybe we take it to today where every, every day believers in the, uh, all across, we're, we're facing these things. It isn't easy, especially where, where so much, even thinking about our, own, our churches, so much in the church culture is our own satisfaction. The contemporary and the cultural view of salvation has been presented is basically this is that God is a utilitarian genie who is here to give us our desires. That's what much of Christianity in the, the, the normal culture today is. Is that God is no, nothing more than just this, I'm going to rub the genie in whatever God can do for us today. That's what God is in our culture. Oftentimes. It's not easy to give everything. It's not easy to not look at God as somebody that I can pray to when I need help. It's not easy to do that. Jesus isn't just a quick cure of our issues and of our problems. The the goal shouldn't be of you and I getting our needs met, but you and I coming to know Him in an intimate way. As I was studying, and we'll get into the points here in just a second. As I was studying, I believe it was in a commentary through John MacArthur, and he said this statement. The satisfaction of human need is not the goal of either salvation or sanctification. The goal of salvation is for believers to be conformed to the image of God's Son, Christian sanctification looks outward to Christ, not inward to believers' felt needs. The goal of Christian living is not believers' satisfaction, but God's. I'm going to say that again. Because this is something that is, as I grow and as I am learning and as I'm growing as a Christian, as a believer, that this just jumped out at me. 
The satisfaction of human need is not the goal of either salvation or sanctification. The goal of salvation is for believers to be conformed to the image of God's Son. Christian sanctification looks outward to Christ, not inward towards believers' felt needs. The goal of Christian living is not believers' satisfaction, but God's. If it was about you and me, Jesus, when he went to the disciples, he would have looked at them and he would have said, not follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Think about that. When Jesus went to those disciples, he didn't go to them and say, hey, let me help you out. If you do this, I'm going to do all of these things. I'm going to make life happy. I'm going to make riches come to you. I'm going to No, he didn't say anything about that. He said, hey, come and follow me. Lay everything that you have aside and just simply follow me. And he goes on to the one, he said, hey, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. What was he saying? Hey, lay everything down. I just want you to follow me. I want you to obey me. I want you to, to uphold me. I want you to, to do this. Just follow what I have. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to train you. I'm going to lead you. You lay everything aside and follow what I have to say. And I'm going to make you fishers of men. I don't know about you. As a businessman, if somebody came to you and said, hey, let me help you out. Lay your whole business aside, and I'm just going to make you followers of men. You're going to have all kinds of people just following after you. Not many of you in this room are going to be like, yeah, sign me up. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to have no money coming in, and I'm just going to trust this guy. No, but that's what Jesus says. He said to them disciples, lay it down and follow me. And as we go through, we can go all throughout different scripture. Even Paul takes that even a step further when he says in, in 1 Corinthians, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul looks at them and he says, hey, he's looking in the, to the church at Corinth and he's saying, I'm, gonna, I'm doing what I can to follow Christ. You guys follow me and I'm going to, he's discipling them. He's bringing them along. He's teaching them. He's training them as I go and I follow Christ. You follow after me. Paul had what? Singular focus. Those disciples had what? Singular focus. And as we come into this this morning, as we close out this chapter, and we get closer to kind of ending out this book and, and closing out the book of Philippians, he is challenging them to know Christ. He is challenging them to work towards obtaining that prize. But he comes in with a little bit of a different question or a little bit of a different challenge this week than we were two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, the question that was asked was, what do I need to pursue the prize? So what do I need? And if you remember, I mentioned a couple things. I need to understand that I haven't arrived. I needed to understand that hey, I haven't came to a place where I am the end-all, be-all. I need that. I need to maximize my devotion was one of them. I need to press on, and I need to have right motivation. Today, the question isn't so much dealing with what I need, but what is my action? What do I need to do? See, so many times we get some of the things, I know what I need. 
but I don't often know what I need to do. Or if I do, I just choose not to do those things. And so we look here this morning where we'll get into some of those action steps as to what those needs are. If you would, in Philippians chapter 3, in verse number 17 through 21, we'll read this morning. Philippians chapter 3, 17 through 21. And Paul says this in his letter. He says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Father God, I come to you this morning. Lord, I know personally I've felt kind of scattered here in my introduction. and God, I pray that you would just put a calm over this place. God, I ask that you would speak through your word. Lord, that we would open our hearts to you. God, that we would act on what you challenge us with. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we come into this, we're still in that press on. We're still on that being singular focused, remembering that that the, the, the key points of all of what we talked about last time are the same as far as pressing on and being singular focused. We come into this point this morning, and the first point is this. That we would intently follow. In verse 17, Paul says, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have for an example also. Or as, as for an example. He says to follow him. And the word that I want to focus on and the, the point of this was intently follow is this as you study and as you look through he says to follow together hey he's looking at all of these people he's writing to the church at philippi hey follow me he's saying something very similar to what he said in corinthians follow me as i follow christ but he looks at them he says follow me and then he comes with the next word and it says mark and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example, that word mark means to almost put a bullseye, put a bullseye on them, to intently follow. That I am not, I'm just not saying, hey, I'm going to follow. I'm, I'm not, no, I am saying this is what I'm looking after. This is what I'm after. This is the point that I'm after. I am in following Christ. Christ has put people in all of our lives. And in doing that, I, I have an agenda, I have a purpose, I have a goal, I have a plan. And I'm not just, I'm, I'm following Christ, but Christ puts people in my life. And I know the type of person that I'm looking for. I know the type of person that I want to be like. I want to continue to focus on Christ. I want to continue. And he says, hey, mark, mark those people. Put a bullseye on their back, so to speak. You think, that's kind of weird. 
But no, that's the language that was used was he was being so intent. That word mark is, and so intently mark them which walk. What does it say in Proverbs that what iron sharpeneth iron? We have been challenged all throughout Scripture to follow the examples of others. What else? What does Jesus and what does Jesus challenge us with in Matthew? The Great Commission is to what? Go ye therefore and teach. What is that saying? Go ye therefore and make disciples. What is discipleship? What is mentorship? We all know what that is. When you disciple somebody, you are creating many yous. When you mentor somebody, you are creating many you. Right? Jesus said, follow me. What was Jesus doing? Every day, all day, he walked and talked and taught with those, those disciples. He was creating many hymns all along the way. And then he looked at those 12 disciples and he said, hey, go ye therefore and teach, make disciples, and baptize, and so on. When we look at this thought, he is saying, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them, and, and intently mark them. What we are creating, he is telling them to follow after the right person. What is the right person? If we go back, and again, I'm not going to spend all the time, but if we go back through, Paul mentioned a number of those things all throughout the scriptures that we've already went into. If we go back three or four weeks ago, he, he made reference of all the things that he was, and he said, you need to count all of that as loss. That's worthless. It's not about all of what you have done. It's about me. It's about knowing me and the power of his resurrection. He goes through all those things. But he says, mark them and follow them. If you're a boss today, and there's a new person that comes in, a new employee that comes in, you are going to train them, you are going to teach them in the ways that you know work so that you can have you duplicated so that you don't have to do everything. That's basically what you're doing. As a dad today, as a mother today, the reality is you are creating little yous that are going to go out into this world and be very similar to what you are. There's a reason that in, in around my family, I am called Chip. You're like, that's not, what do you mean? My mom has called me Chip for a long time because I'm a chip off the old block. If you know me and you know my dad, apparently we are alike. I don't know if that's good or bad, but apparently we're alike. A lot of the things that I do, I do because I was in his home all of my life. A lot of the things I do because why? I looked up to my dad. If you've ever seen my dad running around here chasing children, that's how I was raised. So guess what? I look at some fathers and I go, I don't understand why they look at their kids and think they're a problem. I never felt like I was a problem in my home. My dad was on his knees. I don't know how he still walks. 
we played basketball downstairs in the basement for hours with him on his knees and I could dunk on top of him. We did that for hours. Guess what? I try to emulate that with my children. That's all that I know. And that's what I attempt to do. Our girls will be something of, of, we understand what I'm saying. We've created that culture. We've created that. And it's the same thing spiritually. Paul is looking at these guys and he's saying, hey, hey, follow me. Not only follow me, but, but follow me and mark us. Mark them is what he's saying, which walk also. He's looking, he's saying, hey, don't forget. If you remember, I put Timothy in front of you. I put uh, Epaphroditus in front of you. I've put these people in front of you. Follow them. Follow us as we are striving to follow him. Why does Jesus put other people in our way? Why does Jesus put other people in our paths? What if Paul was perfect? What if Paul was perfect? Would he be an example that many of us could follow? I'm not trying to be whatever here. Jesus Christ was perfect. He didn't attempt to be perfect. He didn't try to live a perfect life. He was perfection. It's who he is. Many of us in this room would say, but I'm not perfect. I can't be like Jesus. Paul couldn't say, follow me because I'm perfect. Paul said, follow me. And then he also followed that up with, well, I'm the chiefest of all sinners. Follow me. And he would even make reference many times of how he didn't feel qualified. He didn't feel worthy of what he did. But he would say, follow me. Why? Because as I follow him, you go ahead and you follow me. And I'm going to strive to do with everything that I can to do the right thing as I follow Christ. Hey, it's no different than me standing in front of you and I say, hey, God has called me to be the pastor and leader of Oasis Baptist Church. Follow me as I try my best to follow Christ. That is... I'll just be real honest. I don't like saying that. Not that I'm the pastor of Oasis Baptist Church, but I don't like to look at you and say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. That's a scary thing to say. I'll be real, real honest. But that's what he was saying. And then he said this, don't just follow. No, no, I'm not the only person you can look at. It would be like me saying the same thing to you. Hey, church, you follow me as I lead this place. But I'm not the only guy you can look to. Hey, there's a group of men that lead in this church. I don't make every decision. I don't make every decision on my own. I I counsel with people in this church. I counsel with other men. Hey, you follow them. Those are godly men that that I've I've been... I don't want to say I've allowed, but I've allowed to lead and that I've partnered with in leading this congregation and, and reaching the people of this church. Follow them. Paul looks and he says, intently follow after them. Let me just ask you this, and I've got to get to the next point. We're going to be here all day. I told you i got two times as much. 
What does it say in Timothy? Study to show thyself approved unto God. Let me ask you this. Is that you? Let's just take this and get real personal. Is that you? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Are you studying that you would be approved unto God? That you are not ashamed, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, that you are able to rightly divide the word of truth. And you might say, man, I don't know all that stuff yet. Let me ask you, are you studying? I don't know it all. Nobody in this room knows it all. The greatest of commentators, the greatest of theologians don't know it all. Are you studying to show yourself approved? Because here's what I'd say. You have eyes following you. Whether you think you're a leader or you don't think you're a leader, there's eyes following you and they are intently marked upon you. Are you studying to show yourself approved unto God? Let me ask you this. Who are you marking that you're following? You go, That's not, that, that doesn't mean much. Oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. We tell teenagers all the time, you are who you hang around with. We've got police in this room. They'll confirm that you are who you hang around with. That's fact. Who are you following? Who are your eyes marked intently upon? Let me encourage you with this. I have men that my eyes are marked intently upon. I don't, stud, I don't worship them as gods, but they are men that I look at and I say, I can mimic that life because that's a little bit of what I want to be. Second point this morning is this. Be aware of enemies. If we continue to go on, and I'm going to do this quickly this morning, but for many, you guys know when I say that I am lying, but for many walk of whom I have told you often, it says in 18, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. And he goes on and he says, hey, I'm going to encourage you. You follow after me and you follow after these men, but let me warn you yet again. Let me warn you yet again. There's people in and amongst you that you should not follow. He's warned, if we were to go back at the beginning of Philippians, he's warned all throughout different passages of Scripture um, that he has written in, in, in letters that he had wrote. But he was saying, hey, I'm challenging you. You follow after. You mark intently, but you do not. You beware, because there's somebody out there in the midst of where you are that you think you're going to follow after, and they're going to lead you to the right path, and they don't have your best in, intention in mind. Hey, they have their own little agenda. They have their own thing. Paul wasn't, let me just inform you, Paul wasn't writing a bad Facebook post to all the world because he didn't like his friends. What does it say? If you read this passage, it says that he was weeping for many walk of whom I told you. Now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross. 
Paul was coming to them and he was letting them know, listen, man, I love these people. These were people I thought were following after Christ. These are people I am, I am broken to see the things that they are doing and to see and to hear the things that they are saying and that they're hearing or that they're, they're saying. It breaks my heart. I am weeping over these people. But he goes on. And he says a number of things. He says, whose end is their destruction? Whose God is their belly? Whose glory is in their shame? Or who, yeah, and whose glory is in their shame? And who mind earthly things? All throughout Scripture in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 7, he says, beware of, uh, of false prophets who come in sheep clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And he, he, all throughout Scripture, it's all, all in there. He warns them. And he says, whose end is their destruction. Hey, don't, don't follow after them. I'm encouraging you to follow after men. I'm encouraging you. God's put people around us. But you be discerning on who you follow. You be discerning on who the person is that you listen to. You be discerning on these things. He says, why? Because their end is destruction. They have one final end, and that's destruction. I'll even go a step further. I believe that there's some that believe they are doing the right thing who are leading people in a wrong manner. Their end is the destruction. He says not only is their end destruction, but their God is their belly. And we can look at this in a couple different ways, and theologians have argued it on two different, two different fronts, whether that Paul was writing to the Judaizers or Paul was writing to the church as, as believers. And so the Judaizer side of things would say that their God is their belly because they uphold to all of the, the strict laws of Judaism. But here's, here's how it is. Or here's how I'm going to kind of mention. I shouldn't say here's how it is. This isn't them saying, hey, don't be gluttonous. That's not, one of the, that's not what's going on here. This is speaking of the impulse of the body, the unrestrained, sensual, fleshly, and bodily desires. They didn't worship God but their own sensual desires. Again, it could be the Judaizers that are keeping upon the laws of the dietary laws of Judaism, or it could be the Gentile who is after their own unrestrained, sensual pleasure. Their God is their belly. That is this. I am my God. I'll do what I want. He goes on and he says, and whose glory is in their shame. I'm going to sum this up by using a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. I don't know if all of that is in there, but it says this. And, and if you go, you can read this on your own, but in verse number one, he goes on and he speaks of men and, that, are, that are sleeping around. And he says, and ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned. They were doing the wrong thing. They were openly engaged in things that they should not be engaged in. And he says, but yet they are puffed up. They are proud of all of the things that they are doing. Look at all of the sin that I'm committing. Look at how great that I am. They're glorying in the sin. Verse 
And lastly, he says, whose minds are on earthly things. You could say these people weren't even saved. Their focus was on earth, not in heaven, not eternally. In James, God's word says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity towards God? First John says that if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Again, who are you following today? Who are you following today? Let me encourage you with this and who you follow. Or let me challenge you with this. Trust and have discernment in him. Because I venture to say, there's people in this room, though it's not something that we want to talk about, there's people in this room who are the enemies who are not leading people in the right direction. That stinks. Are you calling me an enemy of God? I'm not. But if you're a part of these activities, God's word calls you an enemy of God. That's not popular. That's not fun to say. But that's the fact of of God's word. Hey, if I'm friends with the world, if I'm friends with the world, then God's word says that I'm at enmity, I'm at war with God. That's a problem. Hey, guard that. Be discerned. Have discernment as to who you just trust for anything that somebody says and anything that somebody does. Trust that. Study to show thyself approved. As you do that, God will give you the discernment. Lastly, this morning is this. Is a fixed future. There's a fixed future. We closed, it was two weeks ago, I mentioned the, the idea, the last point was that the motivation would be right. That we would have the right motivation. This week as we close out chapter number three of Philippians, we see that we now close out with the thought of hope. The thought of eternal glory. That is a fixed future. Hey, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your your future is fixed. There is no, I wonder what would happen here. There is none of that. We have a fixed future. And Paul goes on, and he's, he's writing initially, and he says, hey, pressing on towards the mark. Hey, we have a singular focus. We know that we're focusing on God, that we're going to know Him, that we're going to more know Him intimately, that we would know the, the, the resurrection and the, the power of the resurrection. We go through that and we get into today and we, we begin to add some of these things and put some, put some action steps to it. And he says that you need to follow others and as you follow Christ, God's put people in your lives to follow them and so on and so forth. And hey, not only that, but be aware But as you are pressing on, as you are pressing towards the prize, here's what we're pressing on towards. Hey, I may have been really bad today, but if you can't read this scripture and get excited, it doesn't matter who's preaching it, you got a problem. Let's just be real. Here's what he says. For our conversation is in heaven. Here's what that word, if you have a King James, it says conversation. If you had a, uh, there's other passages of scripture, but when you study that word, conversation means our citizenship. Our citizenship. That means you and me 
are a citizen. Well, I'm, I'm assuming most people are a citizen. We'll just go for the sake of where we are. We're the citizens of the United States of America, the state of Nevada. My license says state of Nevada citizen. My citizenship is here in Nevada in the United States of America. This, God's word says, for our conversation, for our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall what? He will change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able to even subdue all things unto Himself. Again, I could be the worst pastor in the world today. These two verses shouldn't need anybody screaming and shouting for you to get excited. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your citizenship, your eternal future is fixed. It's stamped. It's done. And that is this. It's, you are dually citizen here in the United States of America and in earth, in heaven. My home, my home is not here. What does it say throughout Scripture? That I'm just an alien, basically, is what I am here on earth. I am lost. You want to know why you get frustrated when you watch the news and you see somebody going to jail for the cause of Jesus Christ? You want to know why it gets frustrating when you watch people getting beheaded for the cause of Jesus Christ? Because we're not here. We're, this isn't home. And at home, we're supposed to feel secure. And at home, we feel loved. And at home, we know that Daddy is there and He's protecting us. We're not home. There's coming a day where we're going to be home. There's coming a day when it says my body will be changed. This vile body will be changed and I will be into a glorious body. I'll no longer have to wake up in the middle of the night with a cramp in the middle of my back. I didn't do that lately, but it works. You, you won't have pain. There will be no medication. There will be none of these things. If you're follically challenged this morning, you'll have it all there. If you don't like the weight situation, it'll all be better. And I know we can joke and we can do those things, but here's the reality. The moment that I leave this, when my body, I take my last breath, the moment my, my spirit goes... And when he comes back, my body's going to meet it up in the air and he's going to create me a brand new, perfect body in his likeness as, is, as he is. Paul didn't wander this earth and go, man, I sure wish, I hope these people would just stop throwing stones at me and beating me up. I imagine there was a time or two where Paul would have written something down where he just, maybe he had a journal and he said, man, I'm sick and tired of these people. But if we go through Scripture, Paul says in Corinthians, we are troubled on every side. We are perplexed. We are persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, not destroyed, always been. We could go on and on, and, and, and I'm not for the sake of time, I'm not going through all that, but all throughout Paul, why is it okay? 
Why is it okay? Here's why. Here's why it's okay. Here's what I can lay my head down, and I'll tell you this, and I'll be real, real honest. It will not surprise me if before I die, there will be a time where I could be in jail for the cause of Jesus Christ. I won't be surprised if that day comes when I say, no, I will not marry you. When I say, no, I will not do that, that me as a pastor of the gospel of Jesus Christ will have to make a decision. I'm not, I will not be surprised at 35 years of age by the time I get called home to go to glory that it will happen in my lifetime. But here's why I can. Here's why I can. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. What does the song say? The treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Hey, why? I can press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Why? Because I'm pressing on. I want to know Him. It's not about this earth. It's not about this physical body. It's not about any of those things. It's about Him. Hey, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about Him. It's not what anybody can do. What does he say? He says that man can harm us. Harm us. Man can harm us. But don't be afraid of you and me. Be afraid of him who can cast this body in. It's not about those things. Listen, let me challenge you with this as we wrap this up this morning. I've got a whole lot more to go, but let me challenge you with this. Here we sit in 2015. At any point in time, he can come. There's no man that knows the day or the hour. Let me ask you this question. What are you doing about it? Hey, you want to, this is a gut check, as gut check can be right here. What are you doing about it? There's some things in my life I'm changing. There's areas in my life I'm I'm doing some work on. Because here's the fact of reality today as we sit here. Jesus Christ is going to come back. The trumpet's going to sound, and we're going to meet him in the air. I want to be meeting him working and working hard. I don't want to be found sitting back going, well, God, we have a really cool church. Well, God, you've done some really neat stuff. I'm a member. I'm a citizen of heaven. The fact that I know that Jesus Christ is coming back The fact that I know that my earthly body will be made new, that I will no longer have this issue, the fact that I know these things and I do nothing with them, God will hold me accountable for that. The fact that I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and souls every day aren't being added, God will hold me accountable to that. Let me ask you this question this morning. 
We'll get real serious for just a moment. Who was the last person you led to Christ? Who was the last person you led to Christ? Who was the last person you told about Christ? I'm asked all the time, hey, when are you going to start preaching on Revelation? We know the end times are coming. They are. Hey, they're not coming. They're here. What are we doing about it? What do we do about it? We're called Christians. I love Jesus. I'm sitting in church every Sunday morning with Oasis Baptist Church. And bless God, I know Jesus. No, I don't want to know how much you know Jesus. I want to know what you're doing for him. He's coming back. I'm too worried about this earthly body. If we were to be put back in Paul's day, we'd all be going, no, don't stone me because, hey, I I don't want to be stoned either, I promise you. These are questions that I'm not trying to be uber whatever about. I'm just being real, real, real honest. These are questions that as I was writing the end of this sermon that came to me for me, not for you. Aaron, when was the last time you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody? Not standing on a pulpit at church. Aaron, when was the last time you led somebody to Christ? God comes back on Monday morning. What are you doing for him? Hey, I'm just being honest. That's a smack in the face sometimes to stop and think about that. Well, I'm a good Christian. I'm just letting you know, I no longer want to be a good Christian. I want to have one singular focus. I want to press towards the prize of the the high calling of Jesus Christ in my life. I want to see lives change for the cause of Jesus Christ. I don't no longer want a church that just says, hey, we are, we're okay, we're doing okay, and we're comfortable in the seats that we're sitting in. I no longer want any of that. And if this is an Aaron Flanagan moment that I'm having a personal intervention with God in front of all of you, then that's what it is. But I don't want it anymore. I don't want it anymore. There's a reason that God has each of us at Oasis Baptist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. There's a reason for that. And it's not just to sit here and do nothing about it. He says, my citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who shall change our vile body. That you and I, that that it would be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Listen. 
I ended last week say, or two weeks ago saying that we have all the motivation that we need in Christ. This morning, if it's not a motivation enough to know that my eternity, that my future is fixed, I really don't know. I really don't know. But I pray that you'll take a challenge from your pastor this morning. If you're a guest here, thank you. I pray that you'll take a challenge from a guest pastor. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are you doing with this that sits in your lap? What are you doing with the salvation that God gave to you? Our eternity is fixed. And there's many outside of these walls whose eternity is fixed as well. Except they hear it from you and I. Every head bow, every eye closed this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you, or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day.